welcome to The Perfect Blend, the podcast where we pair the books we read with a delicious cup of tea. I'm Shelley Haskell. And I'm Candy Beaker. Hey everyone, welcome to The Perfect Blend. I'm Candy. And this is Shelley. And we are so glad that you are joining us today for our tea and book. We are going to be covering Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. <laughs> and after right. reading The Inside Flap, I really would like her to be my friend. She just sounds like the neatest person. Copywriter, creative director. She's been in technology, medicine, education, which she has our heart there. Yeah. She's an open water swimmer, a rower. She has two daughters. She is living in London with her husband and her dog, 99. And all I could think of is Toto's song, 99 about the Get Smart agent, but I don't know if that's why she named 99 that name. 99 from the TV show Get Smart. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that dog in this story is amazing. And I do know that it's modeled after one of her dogs, maybe not her current dog, but one of her dogs. So this was her first published novel and she is in her mid sixties and she obviously is going strong, not slowing down. And I think that she is an inspiration for sure yes, as a writer. <laughs> yep. And better than most, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, what else should you be doing? You shouldn't be sitting waiting for death to come to you. You should <laughs> go slide into that coffin all beat up and used up and <laughs> full life lived. Yes, I'm there too. <laughs> So before we start, what tea did you pick to go with this book? I've been sipping on this tea all day. It was the one that you shared with me, Blackberry Sage from the Republic of Tea. And I also had some of your apple butter this morning. And I have been loving some candy stuff today. Thanks. Well, I am so glad. That makes my heart happy. That Blackberry Sage is good, isn't it? Doesn't it, it smell like a Blackberry it, muffin? It, it smells so good. And I think they do this in the, her recipes online. I think they do a Blackberry pie. <laughs> That goes along with the show. I was looking at the recipes. I can't remember. I know they do the lasagna. I remember the lasagna mm -hmm. in, in the book and all that, but they have a little section of recipes that go along with the TV series. And I think oh. it was blackberry, but it could have been blueberry because I don't really remember what I read. <laughs> I but love is, blackberries. Yep, this is lovely. So what are you drinking? I went with Tin Roof Tea's Einstein's Equation. I fully recognize she was not a physicist. She is a <laughs> chemist and she was into biology. But this is a mentally refreshing beverage to give you feelings of clarity and precision. And Elizabeth Zott had clarity and precision. It has ginkgo leaf, go-to cola, red clover, rosemary, and ginger. And I will definitely share that with you because I have a big old bag of it. It's really good. The ginkgo leaf sounds interesting. It is. It's interesting flavor. I've really expanded my palate as far as teas are concerned. Well, I grew up on Lipton sweet tea. That's what we drank. We didn't mm. really do teas. So I have really enjoyed this expansion of my tea palate through this endeavor of ours. Me too. <laughs> We both want to thank you for giving us a listen. We would love it if you would leave comments or book suggestions and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy your time with us. Yes, that would be wonderful. Because we would like to hear what books you want to hear about and what teas we pair them. <sighs> Tell us about lessons in chemistry. <laughs> I promise you there's not anything extra this tea. <laughs> 
it tells the story of Elizabeth Zott, who becomes a beloved cooking show host in the 1960s in Southern California after being fired as a chemist. And it is a very interesting look into the life of a strong woman at that time. Yes, we're here in the 50s and 60s. And after World War II, all the men came home. They took back the jobs that the women had been doing in their places. And they're back to housewife. Know your place. Look pretty and feed me and clean my house. <laughs> that's kind of the men in this book. Some of the men in this book, that's how I think they feel. That's my perspective. I can tell you that anybody who thinks keeping a house is easy doesn't know what it's like to keep a house. I remember my mom always making sure that when dad came in, that dinner was ready and things were cleaned as much as her wild children would let her, I'm sure. <laughs> but it was just the expected thing. And that part is a great thing for family. But to overlook any of that as if it is not hard work, that's not true. Exactly. I cannot. I will work hard and keep the house straight, but it is not my forte. <laughs> it's a struggle over here. There may be a system, but nobody but you knows it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this because we're not bandwagon type. We don't get on the bandwagon for a lot of books. We pick ones that are more to our quirky tastes. So I wanted to read it, but I kind of didn't because everybody was reading it. And then when I started it, I just immediately was sucked in. I loved it. I loved the pace. I loved Elizabeth. I just, the whole thing. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. At first, she's so strong and her manner was kind of, brusque. I don't know. Yeah, brusque. That's the word I was looking at that's true brusque and she's analytical and also she keeps everybody at bay and i understand why because she has shown in the story the things that her life took her through mm -hmm. if she wanted to even have an inch much less a mile <laughs> she had to fight so hard to keep that between her upbringing and her job and i think that she is definitely a brilliant person to have learned all the things that she did by just studying at the library last term Mm -hmm. Bless the libraries. Yes. I think one of the questions that the book club questions that I was looking up for this mm -hmm. uh, said that she self-educated herself at the library. Mm -hmm. And we have with technology today, do you feel libraries are still relevant? That was that question. I always will think libraries are relevant. I do think libraries are relevant. I do think there's tons of education online today. And I think there's a lot of free education for anybody who has whatever interests. But books and, and learning from the library, Yes, you can still go in there and get anything you want. Yeah, your about. excuses for not learning, improving yourself, doing something is pretty nil nowadays, in my opinion. You have access to so much, just tons, if you would sit down and make that effort. You'll either do it or you'll make the excuses. So I think Elizabeth, her drive is just enormous. And you're right, she was trying to get an inch and she'd have to fight for a centimeter of that inch. Yeah. And then she kept getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back and she just kept on going. And that was so commendable that she just kept going. So Calvin is her love interest. They have really, for the times, a very unique relationship. For our times, not so much. Scandalous. Um, it was scandalous. I love it that he fell in love with her and he had to learn the hard way to let her be herself. He could not even assume for a second that she would solve 
soften up because she does. I know they yeah. have their moments, but she really doesn't soften up a lot. She is stalwart on her. I will not give up who I am. I will not let you change my name. I will not be somebody other than Elizabeth Zott. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I first started, it's just Matt and Elizabeth. And then the chapter starts on Calvin. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking because he doesn't start off as a very likable character from all intents and purposes, the way he acts and the way he is towards other people. So at the beginning, I'm thinking, oh no, they had a falling out. This is why she's depressed. He's done something, being a jerk or whatever. And now they're by themselves. He's left them because she got pregnant. And you know, that that's my train of thought where I was going with this. So I was building up a prejudice against Calvin from the beginning. But I so loved that that's not the Calvin he was. That he right. loved her. He wanted that family. They both had terrible childhoods. And he couldn't understand that she had family, even though they were terrible. Why she wasn't working towards making that that family work because he had no family whatsoever. And so they became their own family in their own unique way. They added the dog 630 and they had this great thing going against all odds. Of course, not on Calvin's part. Nobody blamed Calvin. She was the one that was, uh, she was hanging on his coat strings. She was using him to get ahead. That's what everybody was saying. And God forbid, oh my gosh, you had a child out of wedlock. Yeah, that was a challenge for her. There's a couple of things that happened in this story that were fortuitous that other women who had some of the, maybe those similar situations would not have had such a look. And I think her beauty brought a lot to her, even though her mind was very superior. I think that let her in the doors a lot easier for the guys. Mm-hmm. And I definitely know that that was what happened when she was for the TV show. But when she was at Hastings and her human resource girl, uh, what's Brask. her name? Chris Brask. Brask. She was another version of Elizabeth. We find out that she was a psychology major. She wanted to do something sciencey or intellectual. She wanted to further her career. Yep. Well, to her (laughs) surprise, she ended up being similar to Elizabeth in a way that she wasn't expecting. And I was thinking when we were getting started with this book that the men were just so terrible, with the exception of Calvin, Walter, and Reverend Wakely. Mm -hmm. The men were terrible. But then I thought, no, they're not the only ones that were holding her back. She had females who were just as terrible to her. Frask was horrible. And she did everything she could out of jealousy and spite and who do you think you are to ruin Elizabeth and then the teacher Mrs. Mudford was horrible judgmental and you can tell boys and girls ladies and gentlemen that it was a very different time Mm -hmm. because no way shape or form in this day and age would Miss Mudford have ever survived a day not one day oh but she was horrible you know back to Frask I was thinking about her and she took a path I think she gave in to the masculine you have to do it my way mm-hmm. <laughs> and had to take the abuse and I'm sorry to hear that she did but she also hated Elizabeth one for her beauty and two for her ability to stand off from that but she kept in her mind she kept saying yeah you did it too we know you're a slut you're a slime we know how you get into these ways mm-hmm. we know that you decided to date Calvin because he's such a big scientist and just belittling her abilities and making all these assumptions and I think these stereotypical assumptions are 
played out in many different areas of this story where Calvin, he's such a smart guy. And I think he did do some really great smart things, but we also see that he's somebody who kind of sits around and does a lot of nothing as well. He writes in his notebooks. I love that. It's like, hey, that's me. I'm going to write in my notebook. And it took him a while. He was clueless as well in his world that he lived in to see Elizabeth. He had no idea what she had to go through just to do simple things. And that's how they meet when she steals the beakers, which I thought was funny. He's like, well, we need beakers. He's got extra. Well, I'm just going to take his beakers. And he had no idea the battles that she had to fight every day just to do a smidge of what she was capable of doing. And he was just, well, why doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it this way? And she just, are you kidding me? Not like your world, Calvin. It's a totally different thing. She refused to have him do anything for her because she didn't want anything associated that he helped her do stuff. I think two things. One, on that part, I really felt that she needed to trust him a little bit more and that I know she was trying to keep this wall around her about me and nobody else can do what I do because I don't want anybody else to take advantage of my work. Well, it happened all over the place. So I don't know her wall didn't work. And two, too, I think it really kept a barrier for some happiness between her and Calvin. And I don't mean getting married and sharing your name. I think that it was just unfortunate that she was so, we will not get married. You will not change your name. I do not want children. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that she was so adamant about protecting herself from happened anyway. They all happened anyway. <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, it's just crazy. So life does happen. Love does happen. And children do come from having sex. So no matter how much you think you're not going to have those things in your life, sometimes you just cannot predict everything, no matter how hard you try to control it. And so she had to make some changes in her world because of that. When she had Mad, it was just the two of them. And between Calvin and Elizabeth, Mad's DNA could not help but make her intelligent. (laughs) And then being read to, she was read to. She read to 6.30 all the time. And Mm -hmm. she was even determined that the dog was going to learn words. In her research, a dog knew so many words, she was going to up that. So the dog was read to. Mad was read to. When she's four years old, she thinks she needs to go to school. So she fixes her birth certificate, sends her to school, which is a disappointing experience for Mad because was it? she came home the first day and Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth asked her how her day was. And she said that two or three of the kids were incontinent. Yes, I love that. (laughs) That cracked me up. So she was a very interesting child and also emotionally intelligent because she picks up on her mom being unhappy and on nuances that possibly a regular four-year-old is clueless to. I've been doing a lot of studies of gifted people here lately. And so recently the profoundly gifted, there was no typical profoundly gifted, highly gifted people. They're all different, but she was more than just a smart kid. She was also a kid who was well-rounded in her intelligence, which probably does speak a lot to the upbringing that she had and the freedom of learning and the just all of the other information that came in there. But she was so much more, like I said, at first, the whole part of her being so able to discuss things with Reverend Wakely, with Reverend Wakely was off-putting to me. I was like, okay, yeah, this kid can know a lot, but this kid is really beyond her years and understanding some things. I loved how
how Reverend Wakely had a connection with Calvin, had a different connection with Elizabeth, and then had a connection with Mad. And he helps bring things together as they all discover that they know him in some capacity. That's because he had history with Calvin from way back when. You got some really good pivotal characters, him and Harriet, the neighbor, loved her as well. When Elizabeth brought the baby home... (laughs) The baby was crying and she was losing her mind. Harriet was just, yes, they're going to drive you nuts. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. She's like, but I have bad feelings. Like I would have hurt the baby. How many times a day? Four times a day. And Harriet said, only four. Try 20. And then after 20, then talk to me. Right. (laughs) That was such a great scene. View into the woman's life, regardless of how smart you are. It doesn't matter what your situation is. If you have a newborn, you will come undone. It will take everything out of you. And it, you know, no matter how well prepared you think you are or not, she really thought she was going to be okay. Like, I'm going to feed this baby at these times and change right. it and it'll be just fine. I'll be able to do all this other stuff on these other times. And no, you cannot. You cannot do anything. I read Dr. Spock. I have done the research and this is how it's going to be. And she had suffered a huge loss. And then she was humiliated and told she was had to leave her job because she was unmarried and mm-hmm. pregnant. And- then she's got a baby, no sleep, no job, not sure where her income's coming from. So yeah, she's really hanging on the precipice there. And here comes Harriet and Harriet yep. just inserts herself and Harriet needed her too. Yeah. Harriet needed Elizabeth. She was a strong woman, but she didn't believe she was strong enough. I think. Harriet was a great friend and she really became a second mom to, to Mads. And I mean, she was just a great person to be in that role and help her balance Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the one way that she needed somebody with a little more worldliness, a little more compassion, a little more patience, <laughs> all yeah. of the things that she didn't really have. So just that worked some, out really some well. some perspective mm-hmm. from someone who is not analytical, scientific mind, mm-hmm. kind of real world, baby. This is what it's really like out here. <laughs> it's, it's not all stainless steel and beakers and you put your work in, you get a result. It, like It's messy mm-hmm. and I can help you with that. And so blah, blah, blah. Well, I think Elizabeth needed the scientific lab world because she needed to control everything. So that's why she fit in that world because everything is very precise and there is no room for worrying about too many second guesses and you can control what's going on. When she ripped out her kitchen to put in a lab, I thought, oh my Lord. And then to wait forever to get a cup of coffee, I'm sure it was delicious coffee, but that was just so funny. I couldn't imagine, but it was her house. She could do whatever she wanted to with it, I guess. Right. And she was very precise. Her lunches that she made for her daughter were nutritious. They were to help her grow. And Mad was trying to make friends and little Amanda wanted her lunch. So she traded her lunch to be friends. And Elizabeth finally went to the father to tell him, your child has got to eat her own lunch. You need to fix her a lunch. This, I, I make my child's lunch so it's nutritious to, for her growth. He hears nothing. He just sees this beautiful woman come in who's talking about food and he has a TV slot, a time slot where he, that he needs filled in and that's all she wrote. And he puts Elizabeth on a whole new trajectory and himself as well. <laughs> 
Yeah. He's one of the good guys. He is. He is. We were talking about him earlier and we were saying that even though he was a good guy, some of the good guys went along with things that were reprehensible mm-hmm. to, yeah, because you don't rock the boat. No. It's just how we do things. He knew that the head of the TV place, the Levin Small, mm-hmm. was a horrible person, a sexual predator, really. Terrible. He was terrible, but he would not stand up to him. He would do what he could subversively to keep him from doing what he wants. He wanted Elizabeth to be in tight outfits with a cocktail at the end. Basically mm-hmm. what he assumed he'd want to see and have as a Stepford wife. <laughs> yes. And he got Elizabeth instead. And Walter, I'm surprised he didn't have an ulcer or a heart attack. He did have a stress attack. <laughs> Because she just would not do it. She did science when she did cooking. And why do you think that resonated so much with the women? Well, when there was one girl that they asked, one lady, then they were talking about why did you, why do you like watching this show? And she was, I feel smarter watching it. I feel respected. It was just very interesting. I don't know how, I love watching cooking shows and I'm sure I would enjoy this one because of the chemical names of everything. But I think at some point I would be like, can you just tell me what I'm supposed to grab out of the cabinet. I don't know the names for all these things, but I think it was interesting. They tried to show how that's fed over into the, mm-hmm. the the talk on the street people were talking about. She taught them chemistry while she was teaching them cooking mm-hmm. and she would dress the way she wanted to. I loved it when she gave away all of the things on the walls that she said, oh, you want a prize? Well, would you like something? Well, here, let's, let's just get rid of everything. So this beautiful set that they had curated and designed Mm -hmm. based on what they thought was going to go over. She just got everything out of there. She didn't want any parts of the frou-frou kitchen. She mm-hmm. wanted a place where she could cook. She's like, oh, now I have counter space. <laughs> I have a place to put things. I love that. And then 6.30 showed up and she got 6.30 on set. And she just, I love that she just, no, this is, I'm not doing that. Yeah, she she made it her own way. And I, I mean, if it wasn't at such a odd time, I guess maybe they wouldn't go for it. I mean, they kind of let it go for a while. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was, it, I'm sure it was a disaster for them at the uh, executive producer's world, but. Oh, he was, he was losing it. Mm-hmm. And he had, he, he, when he finally had a confrontation with her, which I absolutely loved that. That was just. Oh my gosh. That was horrible. Poetic justice that uh-huh. what happened. <laughs> He had the numbers and they were great. He was holding that over her head that I'm going to fire you. You're no good. You don't have ratings or whatever until you start doing what I want you to do. And he just couldn't get over that she wasn't upset. Okay, here's going to come the tears and here she's going to start begging for the job and blah, 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 blah. And it just pissed him off so bad that that didn't happen. I'm not going to say what happened, but it was wonderful and marvelous. And you kind of wish you'd been there to see it. Yeah. I hope they should that on this show because I have to I haven't started watching it I'm gonna watch it this week but I had to I wanted to wait for us to be done before I did that of anybody that deserved something like that and I think he did I wanted to talk a little bit about Calvin I think he was a very interesting character and it seemed like the first half of the book was really about his rise to greatness and her alongside of it but when you start finding out about his life you realize his life was so much like 
her life in a way so filled with heartache and hardship and miss opportunities that had she known, I think she would have had a different view. She knew she loved him, but I don't think she really knew to what depth of a person that he really was until after. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of sad. There were so many people taking advantage of both of them along the way. Yes. But particularly Calvin had this line to this, I don't know, benefactor. benefactor. And he never knew it because of the person who was supposed to be watching over him just grifted that money into his needs and accolades, never letting Calvin know that that person had some connection to him. And then he lied to that person at that foundation and was like, no, he's dead. Everybody can just say, I guess at this time, you could just say, hey, they're dead and nobody knows how to find out. So you just believe it. And I guess you don't have to worry about what you write on your birth certificate. You can change that. So those things can't fly so easy this day and age. But back then, they probably could. The characters that were evil were really just horrible people. The fact that he didn't like Calvin, he disliked this child who had lost his adoptive parent and had the opportunity to leave him so that he would not have to deal with him anymore. No, he would rather be miserable and have that kid there miserable than to do the right thing. That just... You don't know if karma ever got back to them, but you you certainly hope so because that's so that's heinous. It really is to be it so was. cruel. There's so much cruelty in this. It really was a bittersweet the things that happened and not things that couldn't have happened. It probably happened yeah. a lot more than we know. I thought it was interesting, Reverend Wakeley. He was the good guy. He brought redemption a little bit to yes. some and some closure. It's some peace because there's so many things in this story where you are like, that's not going to get resolved. They're not going to know that. They miss these moments. They miss this opportunity. They missed happiness. And it's frustrating. There's so much frustration in this story for me. Even though it all feels good in the end, the whole story was very tense in a thriller way, but everything was like wound up tight all the time. There was very few relaxing moments. Although I will say rowing. Rowing was a great equalizer in there as well because the rowing team seemed to not worry about whether or not they did for a while whether there was a woman or not but once they got in flow they were okay so that was another area of equalizing and then the women wanted to come out there after after she after was the on show TV. yeah that brings up another character who was a supporting character which was dr mason uh-huh. he was the person in charge in the rowing getting the teams and calvin introduced her and at first nobody wanted a woman on the team and then they accepted her because she pulled her weight she was part of the things. And he was the obstetrician that delivered the baby. Mm-hmm. And he was so, okay, we're going to do this. This is how you do it. You're going to be okay. Let's do this. Let's, he'd pick up the baby. He'd do this, that. And he just kind of swooped in and then he'd swoop back out. But he was a, another positive in this. And thank God, another positive male, because the males in this were horrendous. Yes. There yes. weren't that many, but the ones that were, were just horrendous. Calvin and Walter, they were two really nice guys in the workplace that had to put up with crappy bosses and probably have spent their life around these macho jerk kind of people and know that they just have to deal with it. Both of them were very oblivious to how that affected the women around them. I think they were like, yeah, that's kind of shitty, but I guess women have to go through that or something. I don't know what they thought, but Walter seemed a little more in tune. I was going to say, Walter was more in tune because he tried to protect the females on his staff as best he could. 
good. Yeah, like he did never want them to go talk to Levin's mall alone. But Calvin, because probably because there was so few women, right? He just thought anybody who was hired was hired on their merits. He might yeah, have been that was, naive. He was also clueless because it wasn't in his realm of what he needed to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rowing and science. Those were mm-hmm. the two things he needed to know. And everything else was not something that he took up brain space with. Can you yeah. imagine? I just think about that. The capacity for what I would accomplish if my brain space wasn't taken up. But so many things. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I hear what you're saying on that one. I know. I often think, can I just do one thing today? Not 10 things today. Yeah. Yeah. So the cooking show felt a little bit like a scene from Mrs. Maisel a little bit when she yeah. was going on to do her own show. And I could just see this whole studio. I felt like there was this well-dressed lady trying to do this very kind of be- take me serious thing. And then mm-hmm. it was just crazy. It was just crazy. I like how she turned everything on its side. She was going to do the cooking show. She needed the money because and we, we haven't even touched on that, that she was supplementing her income after she was fired because the scientists at Hastings were coming to her for help because they couldn't do their effing job no. without her. She Never had to do the math her. or the formula or she had to do the proofs or whatever it was that they need to do. A pit, a pit <laughs> And buying on the work that she was doing at her house. Mr. Mousy, whatever he was, he was such a jerk. And he would report back to Donati, of course. Irritating as I'll get out. I do think that them coming to her. It's a slap in the face. It's a a slap in the face. And I guess she just couldn't turn away the work. And she had to keep wanting to do what she loved, even though she wasn't getting any, hardly any money and or any credit. Right. It's a tough thing. It was a tough thing. It was demeaning to have to do that. She could have run circles around these scientists who only had a job because they were male Mm -hmm. and she was having to do their work and they were glad to take advantage of her. Why not? So she does this cooking show, which is not something she wants to do, but by golly, she's going to do it her way. And she's not being your typical housewife. She's making these people think she's bringing them this intelligence along with cooking and her not life philosophy, but how she's feeling comes out. When she did the mushroom episode, mm-hmm. that was beyond hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get her point across that she yeah. was angry. <laughs> yes. How to kill somebody. <laughs> She's very crafty. Elizabeth does say that she is an atheist, but I don't know that I believe her on that because I think that she is just not about religion. I think she thinks about a few things that shows that she does feel religious or belief in God. I agree with you about Elizabeth not being an atheist, really. She did have faith in some things. And I think that you talked about Ms. Doc, Reverend Wakely being redemption for her, mm-hmm. also for him, because yeah. he did not have that faith in his religion, the people that he was trying to lead and to teach them the teachings of the Bible, to be kind, to be thinking about others instead of yourself. And he had people coming to him all the time, just complaining and confessing about all the horrible things they were doing. He really did not like his church because he just didn't get it. And so he had kind of lost his faith as well because there was no present there beyond just stupid people. (laughs) 
Yeah. So this was a big redemption thing, I think, for all of them. Mad gets some answers. Mm -hmm. She gets to help her mother not be so depressed because she's so worried about her mother. 630 worries about the both of them. And the whole situation with Elizabeth just goes from one bad thing happening after another. There's never just this steady on for her. It's good. She's making progress and then something happens and you think, this poor girl, this is terrible. What a terrible, terrible, terrible events every time you turn around. And finally at the end, were you happy with the ending? Yeah, I was happy with the ending. It was fine. I feel it was plausible. You know, sometimes authors kind of slap it all together and tie it with a pretty bow at the last second and you're kind of like, that was rushed. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that yet. I don't think that really would have happened yet. But did you did you feel that with lessons in chemistry? I thought it came to a, a good conclusion. I felt like everybody was in their right place. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, did, I did too. I didn't feel like I had been handed a present and said, okay, it's over. Thanks for reading. Zip, zip, we're done. I like the way it ended. That sense of redemption out of all this bittersweet things that happened, it came together. The only person that I would have liked to have been a little more humble was Miss Frask. I think she came around. That's true. But I don't feel like she ever really owned up to some of the things. I don't think that she is capable. I kind of, to me, Frask is about Frask Mm -hmm. and really nobody else. She did redeem herself a bit with Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. but she can't help herself, I don't think. I think she's just selfish and it's about me. And I don't think that's something that is going to be redeemed. (laughs) Can you imagine her as your psychologist? I don't know. I would be, be I'd be middle crying. Hospital. I'd be crying. <laughs> she would either have an accident, an unfortunate event happened to her that she would have brought upon herself. I have a feeling. Or uh, I did think Mads it. ends up with a happy family life at the end. I think she's going to have a good future. I do. And a happy life. I would like to see where Mads ends up, what her future's like. Because if you think about it, she'd be a wild story to find out about. <laughs> she would be Bonnie Garvis's age. Uh, yeah. She'd be in her 60s, right? Because mm-hmm. she was born in 62 or something, 64. But she's right, right behind us, right yeah. ahead of us, excuse me. We're right behind her. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she did whatever because she had such a strong presence. Her mother was such a strong woman, great role model for her, I think. I don't think she was too analytical or whatever for her. She was different for sure. Definitely not the kind of mother I would be. But Mm -hmm. she's a good role model, I think. That was where she softened. She softened and she became kind Mm -hmm. for Mads and Harriet. And of course, 630, who was the smartest dog in the world. He was a smart dog. Did you like the little chapters that had his perspective? Mm, Yes. (laughs) I didn't like it at first. I'll just tell you. I did not like it. I just felt, okay, here's another point of view. I'm going to see inside the mind of this dog. Okay. But he had so much depth of emotion and awareness. And he was really the omniscient feeling side of Elizabeth. He really could see her feelings. And so he translated that for us in a way. It grew on me. It was something that I had no problem suspending disbelief that this dog has this inner intellectual side. I think my dog's pretty smart, but I don't know that he would have that depth of conversation in his 
said, but but you're not Elizabeth either. <laughs> That's right. I am not Elizabeth. I have not read to Sid, not at all. <laughs> and you don't actively teach him words. Mm-mm-mm. But he, but you talk to him. You talk to him, and I talk to him, and I know he understands on some level. Oh, he I knows just, when you call because <laughs> he wants to see you. <laughs> I love my Sid. Mm-mm. I do. I'm the fairy godparent for dogs. I think. I know you always bring good treats. <laughs> I really like this book. I'm looking forward to watching the series. I don't care if, if it goes off from the book. Usually that mm-hmm. bothers me, but it really was such a great story. I bought the book and I'm glad I did. I'm going to keep it because this is definitely something I'm going to be reading again. This Bonnie, is a shopkeeper. So can, yes. I'm going to learn more about Bonnie so I can pretend we're friends. <laughs> you got to read her short story about the dog. It's in Good Housekeeping, but it's on her website. Okay. Yes. It's, I will definitely it's on her website. She has a lot of articles on there. I'll read it while I'm listening to Toto's 99. Oh my gosh. Now I've got to look that up. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. We put a link on our page with the Republic of Teas, the way to brew a perfect cup of tea. Because like Elizabeth, we want to measure our amounts and test our temperatures and time our steeping times for different types of tea. So it's very scientific. So if you're that kind of person, you'll love that page on Republic of Tea. I love it. It, Twice she made coffee in her lab. This extreme coffee, all the steps that she took for coffee. And one person who's waiting is thinking, are you kidding me? Are you serious? And then he tastes it and has never had such a great cup of coffee because she's got it down to a science. Yeah, she has perfectly filtered water. One of the things that she said, she said, chemistry is change and you have the ability to change yourself. That was very inspiring to me. And I have kept that in the back of my head, especially when I start to get aggravated with myself. (laughs) I have said a couple of times since reading this, you know, chemistry is change and you can change things. That's right. (laughs) It was a great read and it was inspiring. So please, I think everybody should read this one. The pencil, which we didn't even get to. I'm with her. I always had a pencil in my hair when I was at work and Mm -hmm. I would come home with pencils more than one because I would forget that I had one pencil in there and I would stick another in there. And I think that, that was her thing to always have a pencil. Right. And I think not only for writing things down, because you never know when the next idea is going to come or you got to do something and you need to write it down. But also it was for protection. Yeah, probably. I think that is so. Stab some weirdo in the eye. <laughs> Somewhere. But, you know, you can only keep pencils in your hair if you have nice, thick, coarse hair, whatever. Because I could, it would never stay in my hair. It would just slide right out. I take, I take a piece and I loop it around the pencil and just stick it in there really well sometimes. Well, okay. Maybe I don't know how to put a pencil in my hair. Pockets Pockets are the next best thing. (laughs) Lab coat, baby. You can start wearing a lab coat. Make it a new thing. I could totally wear a lab coat. We could probably talk about this all night. We definitely could. could. We definitely could. But we figure you have other things to do. Check out and read Lessons of Chemistry and watch the TV show. Yep. It's on Apple TV. Learn how to Um, brew with the perfect cup of tea. You should use filtered water. It'll make a difference. Mm -hmm. Teach your dog some words. I think that's really interesting. I don't have a dog. 
know grand puppies and friend puppies, but I think that's a really cool thing. You can't. My time with my dog is not spent teaching him words, but maybe I should try. I shall try. Oh, I could read to him. him. He would love that. Yeah. I'd rub his belly and read to him because I love to rub his belly. He always keeps my feet warm. (laughs) Yeah. He sits with me while I read, but it's not an out loud thing. Ah, Well, there you go. There's always that. We will be back next week. Same tea time, same tea channel with a new book. And we hope you'll join us. You can reach us at our website, the-perfect-blend.com on our Facebook at The Perfect Blend and our Instagram at The Perfect Blend underscore SC. So until next time, read, read, and, and sip, sip on. on.